Welcome to Reach, your platform to connect with other executive assistants and acquire game-changing knowledge and perspective. Reach is designed to inspire your workday, guide you through pivotal moments in your career, and transform you into the executive assistant you've always wanted to be. Hello, everyone. It is a pleasure to be with you today for our first ever, what we're calling Reach Roundtable. Um, welcome, welcome, friends, and welcome, Reach listeners. Think of this as kind of an extension of the podcast. For those of us who know us from Reach, a roundtable, I'm sorry, uh, Reach, a podcast for executive assistants, um, then, then you likely have heard, uh, have heard our program. And we decided to offer this roundtable as kind of an extension of the podcast and a way to create a little bit more of an engaged dialogue, a little bit more of an interactive dialogue between our guests and you, our EA community. So um, thank you so much for joining us for this inaugural event. Um, we hope that you will chat and write and ping us with your thoughts, questions, opinions, things that you'd like us to weigh in on. But um, it's a little experimental as it always is with the first time that we try anything. Um, but I am so, so grateful to welcome my four incredible guests and uh, panel today. Um, you may recognize them, uh, maybe not their faces, but maybe their voices. They've each been um, guests of the Reach podcast, um, acclaimed guests, and um, ha have weighed in on some really interesting topics and subject matters. And when we were putting this forum together, we handpicked this, this group here for you um, to really be able to kind of... Uh, think of it almost like as the view, right? But for executive assistants, and we wanted to really offer an array of perspectives and personalities and industry experiences to really kind of round out um, the discussions that we intend to have around what's really meaningful and important to executive assistants um, and people working in this profession. So um, I'd like to first in, uh, introduce our, our, panelists, uh, our panelists today. Um, I'm joined by Kristen Beetham. Hello, Kristen. Hello. She is currently the executive business partner to the CEO of a company known as Sense Photonics. You may recognize Kristen from actually season one, episode one. She was our first <laughs> podcast guest ever. Um, and she spoke about working for a pre-IPO startup and had a budget for the marathon, not the sprint. We also have Lauren Pelusi in the house, or actually in the yurt, as it is, <laughs> as it were. <laughs> She's joining us from, uh, I think you said Martha's Vineyard in a yurt of all places. I love it. Um, Lauren is an executive assistant at Instacart, and she was our guest for season one, episode four, on diversity and inclusion within the executive assistant position. Welcome, Lauren. We're also joined by LJ Cohen, currently executive assistant to the partners of Uncork Capital. Uh, LJ actually got a two-part uh, episode because there was so much packed into her episode that we had to divide it into two. She had kind of an interesting um, 
she was speaking about being a remote executive assistant, which was an interesting prelude to the last 18 months when pretty much everyone has become an, a remote executive assistant, whether that was their intention or not. So um, that was kind of an interesting foreshadowing of things to come, unbeknownst to us. Welcome, LJ. And last but most certainly not least is Ro Hoffer, Senior Executive Assistant to the CEO and co-founder of Mozilla. Welcome, Ro. Uh, Ro joined us for season one, episode 15, what it means to be a tenacious EA and how to combat workplace challenges. Welcome everyone. So just to, to get this party going, I just wanted to offer a little freebie for our audience. Whoever can answer the next question gets a $100 Amazon gift card. Um, and this question is in line with what we're going to be talking about today, which is all about the role of an executive assistant in kind of a post-COVID world, right? And really talking about as we're as we're going back into the office, you know, should executive assistants be required to be in the office? Is the EA role something that can be shifted equally effectively to a remote context, right? So very lively conversation, lots of opinions on this. It's certainly timely. Um, as companies have talked about getting back into the office, some already have. Some had slated September as the time they were going to do that. And then with you know the Delta variant are now pushing that back yet again. So it's an interesting topic. So my question for our audience and the chance to win a $100 gift card, what percent of American office workers want to go back to the office full time? Whoever gets the closest and the quickest gets the gift card. Um, so while we wait for that answer, I wanted to just kind of kick off the conversation um, with each of you and asking each of you, you know, where do you stand on the topic of post-COVID? Should executive assistants be expected to go into the office? And what are your thoughts? Why, why not? Um, I'll start. Please. <laughs> uh you know, I really think that it depends on the relationship that you have with the executive that you are working with or executives that you're working with. I think there, there's something to be said about being in the office and having the culture and seeing people. Like for me, I know my my strong suit is my personality, but um, I really I'm not I'm living in LA now. I'm not moving back to the Bay Area because mm -hmm. I fell in love with LA, but. I definitely there's I need to travel to the office because I do miss having that interaction. Like I just came back from a work trip and was able to see some people and it just the essence of like that human to human interaction, especially when you are an assistant because an executive assistant, you it's so much more than just like what people think about the scheduling. Like you almost are that you're like the backbone and every other person is like a vertebrae. So it's like you have to remain like on top of knowing everything knowing all the people, how things work, making things out of nothing, like having your presence in the office definitely chills the team out. Like I keep getting texts like, are you sure you're not coming back? I'm like, I'm not, but you know, um, so I think it really just depends how you are with your executive. And then if you do want to be remote, you know, you need to make sure you're advocating that for yourself. Um, because I don't think any of us really want to go back to those long, like, you know, hour and a half, two hour commutes. So mm -hmm. it's more of having a conversation with who you're working with and figuring out what's best for like your working relationship. 
definitely yeah. agree with all of that. Um, I'll it actually back on that. All good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it was a nice touch with the vertebrae and the backbone. That was. <laughs> I can't talk. It. I can't talk. It. So good. We're the yeah. of an organization, right? Yeah. True. It's absolutely true. Yeah, we hold it down. So I mean, I and also I'm going to add. Sorry, Jessica. I'm yeah. going to add in that companies should not expect the EA team to behave differently or they should not expect work to look any differently for this demographic than what they expect of the rest of the company. So to me, there is no reason why we should be looked upon as, oh, you must be in the office because you're executive assistant. And personally, mm -hmm. I have had a successful relationship with my executive who was Salona within the first year that I started working for her. So just like LJ, the experience of working remotely or physically not together, that can actually propel your career to great heights mm -hmm. because there is an added aspect of learning while doing. Talk about being unique and being a bit aggressive and assertive in how you you cope. That's that's something that can be said about. The upside, about upsides, there's that one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you for saying that. That actually was one of the pain points because as Jessica said, I went remote before it was a thing, before it was COVID. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was interviewing actually before I left my previous position. Um, I had the feelers out there of, you know, I think this is going to be the right move for us. My husband was looking at jobs in other states and I wanted to stay in the Bay Area culture. I wanted to stay in tech. I wanted to stay in what I consider the heartbeat of what my career had been. Um, and not many people were hiring remote EAs because it was this idea of, you know, you have to be here, you have to be present. And, and I could see how that worked, especially my transition of personal assistant. I was managing my CEO's home. So I was at their home a lot of time. It's a very personal touch. There's also the, okay, well, I know I'm going to grab two seconds with them walking from the elevator to the boardroom. That's all the time that I have. And that's all I'm going to get my answers. So very much that idea of needing to be physically present was nerve wracking for me when doing these interviews. And I have at least five companies that I was interviewing that their whole culture was remote already. They put themselves mm -hmm. forth as a remote first and they said, yeah, but not you. Everybody mm -hmm. in the company gets to be remote. We need you to come into the office once a week. We need you to fly here once a month. We need you to do. And, and so this idea that it's not equitable really didn't sit well with me, which was you mean an engineer can build a whole structure and a whole platform remote but I can't do my job remote um, was something that I had to put a lot of thought into is how do you set it up? Like you said, Ro, being assertive, being proactive, how do we set this up so you can do your job remote? And I think a lot of people were forced to do that during COVID, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it turns out it actually works. Um, things kept going. The company didn't fall apart. We adapt. This is what we do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's evolution in, in practice. Yeah. But I, I mean, you both raised some really interesting points. Um, you know, Ro, you said that as executive assistants, it's easy to feel sort of singled out as, well, 
why is it that other demographics, it's suitable to transition into a remote uh, capacity, but executive assistants, it's not. Um, you know, certainly we've heard um, clients and, and other people in the community say, well, sure, if you're an engineer, because it's not as collaborative or it's not as you're not, your work is not as intertwined or interpersonally based. So therefore they create kind of a, a distinction, right? Or, you know, if you're doing analyst work or IT work or things like that, that are not, you know, where you're not um, entwined and meshed with someone. So I'm, I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts on that. And, and before you respond, um, I wanted to just add one more quick thing, which is, you know, in conversations that we have with clients. Oh, and by the way, I didn't introduce myself. Hello, Jessica Van, founder, CEO, Maven Recruiting Group. I host the podcast. I run Maven Recruiting Group. I'm, I'm doing this thing with you guys, this roundtable. My bad. Um, so... I've had clients, you know, say, well, look, like it, it was one thing when we were all remote, right? Mm -hmm. The executives were remote. Their needs were different because they were remote. So they didn't need somebody physically present. Um, and the example that this one particular client gave was, and this is a small example, but I think it's, it's, it's useful for illustration. She said, you know, we had the partner in the office and he had, um, you know, he, he had ordered lunch and the executive assistant was not there because she was remote and meanwhile you know he's in calls he's 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 having these meetings he's back to back and doordash or whoever is you know blowing up his phone trying to get him to come to the door to receive the delivery and he's not able to do it and he doesn't have his ea there to do it either right and that was kind of an example that that she was giving of of the challenges of some of the ea functions not really translating so well or so seamlessly mm -hmm. So I'd love for you guys to respond to that about, you know, well, why is it okay for engineers, but not okay for us? And also like, what are some of the challenges, right? To things like that. If I can step in, I think that they're, number one, I think it's very situational. I think each EA is very different um, and they come with a different skill set. I think each company is different. I think the relationship between the executive and EA is different. Um, how we sell ourselves like in an interview process, like for me, as we were talking, um, we're personality based, very, very personality based. Like I would say I err on the side of like considering myself a connector and like making sure that people are talking to each other in the office, as well as being basically like a, just a rodeo clown. Um, for the office. <laughs> um, true. Um, accurate. So if, that, like, if, if that's how I'm like, like you know, speaking in in an in an interview, and that's the expectation is that I'm going to be a ringleader for you know team building events and things like that, and keeping people you know communicating well. Then that then my 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 position is going to change drastically. But I also think that you can change. You know, I pick up the phone more now. I pick up the phone and call people more. I'm on more Zoom calls. I am a little bit more familiar sometimes in, in emails because, or including, making sure to include people more because so I can kind of replicate that aspect of, of you know, my personality in the office while being remote. Um, so I think it kind of, there's, I think there's so many variables um, that it's, it's, you know, it's hard to pinpoint, you know, it's, it's so situational. Mm -hmm. Also, it's not because we say we can be from anywhere that we don't accept that there are situations and mm -hmm. moments when it makes sense that we're in the office. It's right. a 
combination of flexibility and understanding and also the culture of the company. So one thing that we learned during this pandemic is that executive assistants can be remote, but we also know to trust each executive assistant and the integrity of the work. We all know and we all see the ones who surfaced and up-leveled even during this pandemic. Mm -hmm because that was what was needed from us. So if there mm -hmm. is a concern about an EA, if there is an executive who's saying, well, I worry that my executive assistant is not really doing the work. Wow, then you hired the wrong one. Then talk to Jessica yeah. about finding a new one. Yeah, <laughs> so true. It's super true. It actually was um, coming from some of my other positions where it was very much a pain point, that exact client conversation that you had was one that I had had, which was, will you be there when my lunch arrives? Mm -hmm. Like never, ever miss my lunch. I'm like, well, I might be in the bathroom and that's by no fault of my own. Like I, we do try our best. We really do. Um, and I think it's something that I've come to appreciate with my, my current situation is, um, and actually a few other bosses that I had that when I was doing my onboarding and I'm talking to them like, okay, well, what do we do in this situation? They would look at me and go, I can get my own lunch. I can get my own coffee. I'm very capable. I run a whole company. I can do these things. And it was kind of a wake up call for me, which was in some ways I was training some of my bosses, um, into bad habits which is, yes, mm -hmm. we, we can be very helpful. We can do everything. We can kind of wrap our round, arms around everything. But is it the best use of our time? And it's one of the things that I love about what's coming out of the executive assistant, the chief of staff, like the whole idea of supporting your um, executive um, function. It's not just about getting lunches and coffee anymore. We now have very highly educated, very competent um, executive assistants doing the jobs of COOs, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, and that needs to be recognized that if you need somebody to grab your lunch, okay, cool. Anybody can do that. But also, what are you utilizing your executive assistant for? Is it just the grunt work? Um, or are you really utilizing them for what you need? Um, it is a pain point, by the way, if somebody has to say, sorry, I'm hopping off my Zoom call, DoorDash is here. But it is one of the nice things that COVID has done, which is there's kids running into the room. There's mm -hmm. like there's all these things that we now recognize is it turns out life happens while we're also trying to run a business. And I think there's an acceptance of this now, which makes it easier to have this hybrid remote in the office role, which is if you need to hop off a call to go get DoorDash, it's OK. Probably the other person had to do that, too. Um or just don't schedule it during your lunch meeting. Come on. They, they, there's solutions for this that doesn't mean uh, beating your assistant for not being there for that one moment that you needed them. Mm -hmm. I think an excellent point, point, LJ. Yep. Yeah. And another important thing is like we're EAs, so we know everybody. We mm -hmm. know somebody that can go to the door and right. get the damn one. You know what I mean? It's like that's part of our job that's is knowing exactly. we're connectors, like what you were right. saying before. We know everybody. It's like there's always somebody that we could be like, hey, can you help me out? And then you can address it with your executive later. Like, you know, if it was a thing, if getting lunch is a priority to somebody that I'm interviewing for, we're probably not going to work out. Like there's just I'm just not there right now with um, 
like what mm-hmm. I want to do. Like I need to do, I, like obviously I want you to eat and like we can get lunch occasionally, but like it shouldn't be like, that shouldn't define how well I'm doing right. my role. And if that <clears> is, it's yeah. like, oh, well, right. okay, they're lucky. Yeah, <laughs> sure. The bonus, yeah. okay. <laughs> and and I don't I don't want to I don't want to cite that as kind of like the only example. I think it was one example that came out, but I, I I think it would be interesting to hear from you guys too. Like, you know what what are the trade offs, right? I mean, that's kind of one lower level example. But what are the trade offs, good and bad? You know, of um of being physically available and physically present, and um and not, and and I guess similarly, like mm-hmm. if you know, if, if, if the executive assistant is not there, putting on, you know, for a moment, like your head of operations hat, right, and thinking about what would make sense then, um, would it make sense to have someone else who is physically present? Is there, a, is there a good argument for having someone there to kind of grease the wheels mm. um, on a more consistent basis? And I know, LJ, in, in your episode, you talked about how it was really valuable having kind of that in-office framework and structure of support to be your, you know, to back you up and, and to be your boots on the ground as needed. So, you know, what, what are the solutions and alternatives, if not for the EA to be there always when the executive is in a post COVID world? <laughs> well, and that's the thing is actually a lot of um, our portfolio companies are having this conversation right now of when are they going back to the office and what does that structure look like? So that did throw another wrench into the whole idea of remote working is now um, it's a lot of them are hybrid. And that's just going mm-hmm. to be that way for the foreseeable future. Um, and so if you do have some people going into the office and then some people still working remote and you kind of have to figure out who's where, it does create a little bit more of a logistical, you know, um, process. And like you said, it's putting your ops hat on, which is, well, then how are we going to solve for this? And so if you do have some people in the office figuring out your structure, which days it is, and we still do have that conversation with the people that are in our San Francisco office, which is, okay, cool. Are you going to be there? Are we going to be ordering lunches? Are we going to be, you know, greeting anybody? If so, do we now have a COVID protocol, which is they need to do a temperature check. They need So that is that coordination, which I think every executive assistant does, you're already thinking 20 steps ahead onto what it looks like on a given day. And Mm -hmm. that's really valuable. That is what we do. We think through the whole system to figure out who needs to be doing what and having a person there. If that's one of the people who wants to go back into the office, that's perfect. Like, you know, that's like Lauren said, we know people. (laughs) Mm -hmm. There's somebody who Mm -hmm. wants to be in the office that day. There's no one formula or recipe that will hit everyone, Mark. I realize this all sounds godsy, but to think of the case as anything but needing flexibility flexibility would be so far from the reality we're in. And for us, it would be such a miss if we ignore the fact that employees feel so differently from each other about the future of work. Mm. Because we are after all living very different we've lived different lives and we just need to do our best to understand the many needs of the human behind the that we know at the workplace i mean the things we've come to find out about each other by being remote this took years during the 
in office days, right? In 18 months, the amount of info we have about each other's lives, let's not forget that, that human behind that work person. So to me, if we, if I were to put on my ops hat, how does the future of work look like? It needs to be open, openly acknowledge that even though we've found ourselves with, oh yay, offices are opening, but there's still a lot of finding our way forward. There's a lot of experimentation that needs to happen, burgeoning, but the one thing I am always looking for is the flow of communication, the time sensitivity to the communication from the top all the way to the rest of the executives and the rest of the executives directs and to all of us because there's nothing worse than feeling like made and we did not know until we were asked to do something. Mm -hmm. I, I really like that point, Ro. Um, I mean, I think to the extent that employers are taking into consideration in these decisions, you know, and getting the buy-in, getting the perspective, getting um, the thoughts of their staff in making these very, you know, huge unilateral decisions and choices for the course of work and future and everything. I, I think that's really, I think that's a very empowering um, position for, for employees. I don't know of any employee that would say, I don't want to be a part of this decision. I don't know that that's, you know, always practical, but I think that it's, it is certainly empowering um, to, to be able to at least acknowledge, yeah, things are different. And how do we want to embrace that change? And do we want to allow your voice to be part of that, you know, that discussion? One of the things Rose just said that I thought was really interesting is like for years, like I think we've all done this is like we've, you know, been been taught the um, ROI on team building events and getting to know each other and whatnot. But one of the points she brought up is that we've learned so much more deep information about each other by being on Zoom calls and seeing people's families and knowing that our coworkers are speaking from a yurt and all of these things that it's kind <laughs> of worth its weight in gold, you mm -hmm. know? So there are things like that that I think like in any way, it's like I try to always be like, you know, poly positive, but there are so many really beneficial things that have come out of this. And so when talking about the process of going back to work, it's like, well, look at what we've learned. Like, look at all the good stuff that could, I mean, granted a lot of bad stuff too, but a lot of the good stuff that we can take and move forward. Um, and that change, it may just be, you know, slight change that might be a little uncomfortable at first, but uncomfortable doesn't necessarily mean bad. You know, it just means different. And there's so much growth that we can see from this. So, um, so, Lauren, you 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 mentioned a little bit earlier that you know, hey, if an executive is is considering me because they want me to be their their lunch gopher or, or what have you, like we're not going to work out. It's not going to be a thing. <laughs> there is no forever in in that. There is yeah. no eternity. So I'm curious, like you know, and, and maybe Lauren, if you want to comment on that or, or others, like how would you recommend that that an executive assistant broker that dialogue because maybe they have an executive who has historically relied upon them for things like that, kind of the more tactical day-to-day -day greasing of the wheels kind of stuff, um, as well as the higher function activities that an EA does as well. 
how do you recommend that they approach that um, that dialogue? And if they really want to own, you know, own their truth of I don't want to be back in the office five days a week. I don't think it's necessary. How how should they go about that? You have to decide what issue you want to die on a hill on. You know, mm-hmm. like, my boss would be like, "Do you want to die on a hill for this?" And I'm like, "No, okay. like this is not. This I'm not going to like champion like no lunch because like sometimes it works out. I think." It's hard to have that conversation when you've been doing it for a while. It, it will, it's not hard. It would just take a little bit more finesse in that conversation, mm-hmm. you know? And I would lead with talking about really make it around career and make it around bandwidth, you know? Like talk about the things that excite you, the projects that you're working on, the time you're spending on them. And then, you know, be like, you have to make sure it's not saying your lunch isn't a priority, but you're saying like, hey, like my bandwidth is this and you're having me do so much is there like something like can we can we figure out a new solution that's what I would just do I wouldn't even talk about it I would just figure out a new way to get him or them the lunch that they need like and deliver it in the way I wouldn't even bring it up I would just figure out a new way and make it work like Mm -hmm. I I wouldn't have the conversation because you know if I am worried about having that conversation with that person that's already saying something about my relationship Because if I was in working with somebody that was all about like low, like 200%, they wouldn't be wanting me to get their lunch every day as like part of my like non-negotiable like rules and responsibilities. So I would be trying to exit that situation. But if you're talking to somebody that totally is invested with you, they're not going to be like, no, you need to get me my lunch every day. Mm-hmm. And that's just my opinion. It could be very different. Like, but no, that's how I see it. It's very black and, and white. And, Laura, and what Lauren said there, it's not as if we're saying, no, we're never going to be there. We're never going to get you lunch. You're just eating granola bars from your purse or from your briefcase. <laughs> That's not what we're saying. Uh, <laughs> big D, big into that case. <laughs> what we're saying is, first off, when we were brought in to do the role that we were hired for, if the conversation goes, about who's bringing me lunch that is such a big such a big x mark on on this profession that we love and we dedicate our lives to mm-hmm. earlier we said we know everybody we know how to make things work there is always somebody that you can turn to and that segues into and this is why executive assistance should be very careful and intentional in the networks that we build I think, Jessica, mm-hmm. when you and I did your podcast, I talked about that concentric circle around you. Do not mm-hmm. limit that to just your fellow EAs. That should be broad and big because mm-hmm. at the core of it all, you're all doing the same thing, advancing your company, advancing your goals. If that means somebody else, some director who is this at the time I'm not, will help me by letting Mr. DoorDash delivery person in, who... Who's to say that's not something that he feels is something he should do? It's pitching in moment, right? But that's where your networking comes in. You're not just asking for some, I'm not going to us for whatever reason. There's a reason why you are, as you said earlier, the bandwidth. There's so much gravity in, in, in requests that you can actually bring to the forefront. Mm-hmm. And another skill set is delegating. Exactly. Like, 
delegate. Exactly. So it's interesting to have, I, I have to say, it's really interesting to have this conversation with everyone right now, coming from the point that the four of us are in our career, which is incredibly empowered executive assistants. So we have done so much. We've kind of gotten that it built it into our system. And I have to say the EA that I am now is not how I was 15 years ago. And I worked at that time for what I would consider my more difficult executives and also didn't feel like I could have those conversations or I didn't feel empowered. And so I think because we have such a broad audience today, it might also be useful to point out that if you are in a situation where you, like Lo said, you don't feel like you have that relationship with your executive. You feel like you're just constantly getting beat down. You're not doing good enough because you missed the lunch delivery, because you didn't get the coffee right, or because you made a mistake. And that person is, you know, it's that that relationship isn't there. For a long time, and I've mentored a lot of VAs that they feel like they can't either improve upon the situation or they can't get out of it or there's something wrong with them. We're very service oriented. We want to do our best. We want to, you know, make this succeed that maybe it is time to have a conversation with Jessica because those <laughs> relationships are important. And what what you learn about yourself as you go through every single job. You learn what you love to do. For me, it actually is scheduling. Um, I actually just did a ELS conversation on this because that's my happy place. I love having that calendar Tetris just like work. And so some of the positions that I was in earlier in my career, they were not a good fit for me, for my skill set, for the things that I actually appreciated most about myself. So it took me years to figure out that you make that list about what you're good about good at mm -hmm. make the list of the things that you love doing every day and then start interviewing for that job start looking for the boss that they're like yes that's what i want too and then you're this perfect happy okay. pair and it works amazing and you get to have these great <laughs> conversations and it all just works together that that match is out there um it just takes a lot of inner confidence that a lot of times you have to build to get there. And I know a lot of the EAs on here, they may not have that right now. And that's okay. You can shoot for it. The more that you learn about yourself and the more that you learn what you love to do every day. Yeah. Amen. That was, that was the mic drop moment right there. Thank you, LJ. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and, and, and thank you for acknowledging that too, because I, I, I agree. I mean, I think that there's a reason why you guys are the view, you know, you guys are you guys are at a at a point where you do have a lot of of gravitas and and self confidence and have achieved a level of autonomy and and respect I think within your professions. Um, but that it's true that's not everybody. And so helping people to cultivate that and figure that out. I mean that's a lot of what our podcast is about. It's a lot of what um, the, the intention of, of forums like this are also about. Um, we do have a question. Uh, Kristen Hope, I hope I said your name right, um, writes in and says, do you have any tips for working at smaller organizations uh, where we wear a lot of hats? And she mentions things like AP, HR, personal support, executive support. And I'm, I'm extrapolating here, but maybe Kristen's 
thinking or feeling is that it might be harder for her to um, justify having her role be remote and or partially remote, given that she's doing so many kind of hybridized functions. Um, does anyone have a response for Kristen? Well, my I, number one response is like, be because I'm like, that's quite a bit. And as the, <laughs> as the company grows, like be very, just regardless of the return to work, be, be very aware and, and vocal when um, the company grows and it becomes too much because AP, HR, personal assistant, EA hybrid is, um, is a, that's a beaut. That's a, that's quite a bit of stuff right there. Um, so that's number one out, out the gate that I would I would say keep an keep that an eye on that. Yeah. Of your limits and boundaries and, and whatnot. Be confident with them. And along those lines, mm -hmm. as you're becoming aware of that, I would offload first and outsource first the ones that you like the least or you're least confident at, because then your speed and your ability to turn things around is going to increase because you're working at your core competencies. If um, there's some things there that you're doing it because you need to at startups, like there were some times I just had to be the IT person and I'm going to get it done. But as soon as we grew to a stage or it got to be where I wasn't the most effective, offload that one first because it's not your core competency. And grow the muscle of advocating for yourself. Your executive yes. is not going to immediately yes, think yeah. about what do you, what does my assistant need and want. The most yeah. caring of all executives, they just don't have that time to all put us in the right. forefront, even with the best intentions, even with the most respect for the career. You just need That's to right. get that muscle going of speaking up. And it doesn't mean that you're complaining. There's a difference between speaking up and speaking your truth to complaining. Mm -hmm. And boundaries, like, I think that's all what you guys were saying. But like, again, boundaries are something that especially like we're all women on the podcast, like women, like we, we, we give an inch, people take a mile, like it's just going to happen. So the sooner that you have comfort with flexing those boundaries around you, you're going to notice like your workflow is going to completely change, you know, um, like a quick example would be like how you receive requests, you know, mm -hmm. at our company, a lot of the EAs on their Slack, like messaging, it says, you know, for urgent request, you know, you can Slack, but anything else, please email me. So even though that's there, people still Slack us and it's like, oh, you know, I have a template, copy, paste it in. It's like, okay, like, mm -hmm. <laughs> sending me an email and I'm not sending a reminder for this because I'm being pinged throughout the day, you know? Mm -hmm. So if I don't set those boundaries and I, you know, I'm not advocating for myself in a way that's like professional, not like, I don't want to do this. It's just like, guys, like I want to, I want to make sure I can track mm -hmm. what you're asking me and that's best that's done in email. So mm -hmm. yeah. Going back to uh, our, our focus for today, which is back in the office and, and can EAs, you know, um, should EAs be required to return to the office uh, or not? Um, I wanted to ask, so I feel like in certain organizations, I've seen a lot of kind of side agreements happening, right? So some organizations have kind of these very unilateral policies of like, this is the mandate, this is what we're doing, everyone's back five days, everyone's back two days, whatever the case may be. But I've also seen examples where there's a lot of kind of side side agreements happening at an EA and executive level. Um, 
separate packs and and kind of allowances being made. Mm -hmm. I'm curious how you guys feel about that, if you could weigh in on that. I mean, does that bring up at all for you guys issues of equity and fairness and parity among executive assistant teams where, you know, maybe you're the EA whose boss moved to Montana and bought a 75 acre ranch. Mm -hmm. And so your boss is like, I could care less if you come into the office, but maybe you're the EA whose boss stayed in San Francisco and is now back in the office and says, Hey, I, I need you here five days a week. How do we, and they're all working for the same company. Their W2 mm -hmm. is from the same company, right? How do we handle things like that? And what do you recommend people do? Because I can imagine that that could create um, some tension. If somebody has an agreement or something that I want, that is not a threat. That is like, I need to talk to that person, understand mm -hmm. what went into that discussion. So then maybe not in this current role, but maybe in another one, I can replicate it. So right. if, yeah, it's. It's not like, okay, like I'm jealous. It's like, oh, like let, let's have a Zoom and let's chat about, you know, what, how that conversation went. It's very, we don't like to have these conversations because like, you know, we get in our own head, but like for me, there's no shame. It's like, what did you do? Because mm -hmm. to my next job, I want to make sure like that is like, I'm doing that, you know? Um, and that shouldn't be seen as a negative. That's just being able to get more information that I'm adding to my toolkit about how to negotiate my next gig. So. Even before uh, COVID and when I was in large organizations where we had multifunction, like the EAs had different roles. Um, like, and it was kind of across our C-suite. It was kind of a joke of, well, yeah, but this EA wants this kind of, you know, executive. This executive likes this kind of EA um, mm -hmm. because um, one of our executives loved their EA doing personal stuff for them. And we be like, ah, my EA got my car washed today. And then there was another executive that literally she was like a bulldog gatekeeper at his door. No, you will not get a meeting with this person for three months. It's not going to happen. And she loved that, mm -hmm. that empowerment from him. Um, there was another one that she was traveling with the marketing executive all the time. They were constantly on the road. She was sending photos from these amazing hotels. We all worked for the same company. Right. Mm -hmm. But each of those executives had something different. And so it was kind of on them to have that conversation with the CEO of, is this okay? Is this is in our budget? This is how I'm spending time. This is how I'm utilizing my EA. Um, and there were times that it seems like there wasn't a parody of, well, shoot, I'd, I'd like to go have this like hotel and offsite. And that sounds like a lot of fun. Well, then as Lo said, make that your next career, right? right. Yeah. Or suggest that to your executive, like, right? That, you know, it's like, hey, they did a really cool offsite. And like, any exec is always going to want to like have great team morale. And if you saw one team like really come off of like, um, we used to have this company come in and do like um, improv, you know, I've done this with like all my companies. Yeah, like improv and help with public speaking. So I work with product teams. So how do you present? How do you sell? How do you pitch? So you know, it's worked really well. And I always will tell people, well, if you're looking to have this kind of camaraderie around your team, I totally suggest doing this kind of thing because it makes people step out of their shell, you know, mm -hmm. and you just, you just talk to people. When you talk to people, figure out what they did and then you sell it because your executive's going to trust you because you're an extension of them. Mm -hmm. So if I'm saying like, I really think we should do this and this is why, 
it's not going to be like, no, you don't know anything. It's going to be like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, of course, Lo. Like, I trust you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what I'm here is equity, equity of experience across mm-hmm. the board. So equity of experience, regardless of working environment or location or level of executive you're supporting, it's good to be mindful that everyone can access resources or experiences so that we can thrive together. So I am I have the honor of the EA cohort. I don't manage the EAs at Mozilla because they don't need another EA managing their careers. We're all senior executive assistants and always planned to hire for. But there is something to be said about someone who is making sure that no one is falling too far away from the team's goals and mission. And we're all taken care of and we're all accessing and we're all being able to be given the same opportunities. Jessica, I'll bring back what you said earlier. Is there resentment when somebody has a side conversation or a side package? Of course, we're all human. Sometimes it's resentment. Sometimes it's admiration. How did you pull that Lauren was saying about, tell me, how do I make that happen for me? Mm-hmm. Those of us who are given extra packages of some sort, because it's part of the job, let's put it this way, it's part of the role of that particular EA to travel with their exec because it involves a huge and massive amount of planning somewhere. For that assistant, I would invite them to make sure that when they have those opportunities that they're away to make sure that they are not relying all the time on that one other EA to pick up the slack behind by not being physically in the office. I think this also goes back to the conversation of what will it look like for an EA when some EAs are not required to be in the office and some are. Think about what it feels like when that person who is at the office is picking up all the the tasks because they're physically there and fully accessible to an executive. Mm-hmm. It's nature, right? Oh, it's right there. So I'll just go, could you please grab me, blah, 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 versus slacking your EA who is remote and saying, can you find someone? So that's just one of a small example of where resentment will build. And again, the equity between the whole team, I think that's what's going to present or foster, hey, this is okay, we all get our turn. We're all aiming for the same thing. It's a really good point. Yeah. Excellent point about how it affects people, the difference of the people that are going to be remote and the people in there, because it is, ends up being a death by a thousand pinpricks. And it's not necessarily, I mean, it's not intentional, but it's it, like you said, it's like just being a body that someone can look at and physically see, you will end up getting more work put on your plate, which might be an okay thing if it's work that you want, but it could right. be where the paper clips 15 times a day. And that can be pretty, pretty distracting pretty quickly. Yeah, well, and, and we've seen, I, I'll, I'll say this, you know, in, in a post COVID, I keep saying post COVID, it's really not post COVID. It's, yeah. we're still in the thick of it. I, I don't know how to refer to it. Um, we've seen a trend of, hiring managers saying things like, well, we want our EAs to be hybrid or we want them to have the option of being mostly remote, 
but because we still need somebody physically present, we're going to hire a dedicated person. And that person is five days a week and they are on the ground. Um, and maybe it's, you know, at more of a coordinator level um, or not, but that I, we've definitely seen that trend happening mm -hmm. among our clients. So I think, you know, but isn't uh, it Jessica, but it's a alliance from the get go. It, exactly. Right. Like, I think that the difference is that the ex correct the expectations have been clearly established at the outset. This is something that they're hiring for. So, which doesn't mean that resentment isn't going to set in because I still think that it can be human nature where this person goes, geez, you know, I'm doing all of this stuff. Expectations clear or not, you know, it, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that resentment won't set in. We've actually so. talked to our recruiting company about our, our recruiting team about this because, you know, there's going to be times like especially that there are a lot of us that are remote, you know, that you will need that body. And it's like, hey, there's also times where people everyone goes on PTO at the same time or something mm -hmm. like that. So it's like having that entry level person that is there that can be coached by like a bunch of very different um, like amazing people with all different types of skill set. Like think of the knowledge that you're passing on to somebody that's early in their career. And we haven't gotten this yet, but like we keep saying like, hey, like to get an AA in here, like an entry level, right? That can rotate and like think of the benefit if you are an entry level person and you get to rotate and work with all the EAs that support like all like VP, C-suite, like at a company that's really just allowing you to dabble in all the different types of business, right? Make mm -hmm. those connections, those networks, because that's what happens. People like you. People, like, when you get a job, it's, like, the skill set, it's, like, okay, it's on paper, but I don't know if you can do it. So, like, what's really selling is, like, your personality. So you could easily connect with somebody, and then you you manage that relationship. You manage the different relationships. So it's a great way to also open up your career because as EA, we wear so many hats from like the project, the programming to like, you know, events, there's everything that we do. So an opportunity to work and maybe be on the ground and have those interpersonal relationships that the remote people don't have, that's also a bonus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that shift in perspective. I think that's really good though. You know, I mean, it, it's an opportunity, right? To learn yeah. and, and be and be shaped and mentored. So, yeah. And piggybacking on what Lo said, actually, it's one of the things that we've noticed across the board with a lot of our portfolio companies. There are certain categories of our companies that they want to be back in the office. Um, mm -hmm. They they have a few employees that they're like, I can't stand working from home. I don't want to be working from home. I want to be in the office. Tell me how to make that happen. And so, again, that's kind of knowing what you want in your life right then. Do you want to be remote and available for your kids when they need you? Or do you want to be able to have more relationships in the office because that's the point in your life that you are right now? Mm -hmm. That makes sense to mm -hmm. allocate the jobs based on what people want and what they are going to be happiest in and to fill those roles in that regards. And so even though it is a great opportunity, that person might also be thinking, I also want to be in the office. And so mm -hmm. that is the right person to fill that role. So we're, we're nearly at time here. Um, as we, as we wrap up, I'd love to just get a quick kind of knee jerk reaction from each of you of, you know, what do you think? Like, 
if you were designing the ideal work work plan um, that would allow for the most harmonious um, and efficient on both ends for the executive and also the assistant relationship. And granted, there's a lot of nuance to this. It depends on the company, the culture, the type of person you work for, your life factors. I get all that. But just knee jerk, what would you guys say is the ideal mix? Um, would you say 100% remote? Would you say in office? Would you say hybrid? If so, how many? What's kind of the optimal thing? Personally, I miss being around my coworkers and I miss being in an office to the point that's probably uncomfortable for my friends because I I really miss it. Um, it is, I'm a social beast, but I also think like my um, productivity, I've gotten so much more work done. My personal life, like my laundry's always done. That was not always the case when I was in the office working 60 hours a week and like having a commute and whatnot. So there's things that have just like flowed a little bit better. But for me, it would be three days in the office, two days at home, preferably Monday and Friday at home. <laughs> 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 Jeez. Dream, right? Dream, right? Interesting. I agree. I would like I would like the high a little bit of flexibility on when. The one thing I'd call out is when you do a hybrid, what you might miss on is well, is your team in the same office as the days you're in there? So there has to be a transparent and very good model of communicating when. There's also something that we have learned about doing Zoom meetings. When we're all on Zoom, it feels equal. So when we go back to the offices and there are meetings by Zoom and there are people who are in the building in a conference room, I would like everyone actually to just be on Zoom individually because it evens mm -hmm. out. It evens out the feeling because Mozilla has been remote friendly ever since. Mm -hmm. But the most frequent comments we would get from our remotees, even before the pandemic, was that in-person people sometimes forget mm. that the remotees are not able to get the same experience. And what we've learned since the pandemic is when we're all on these tiles, then we're all equal in what we're experiencing equity and experience so that's the one thing that i would all on forefront but i just like what kristen said i do miss people i miss putting on shoes to go to the office dude <laughs> god i have a wardrobe that's just sitting there it's, <laughs> it's gonna be so dated by the time you actually get oh to take god. it out of the closet hopefully you bought shopping? pieces that are enduring kristen i, I hope you went for classics they are time thank you vintage vintage yes god all that time spent online shopping and no one's gonna see it no one's gonna see it lj i think i have a feeling what you're gonna say but i want to hear you say it I'm living my best life. Yeah. I um, purposely, purposely chose the 100% remote role. Um, and, you know, but but Ro brings up a really good point where it's been interesting with everyone else being remote as well. Now there's been this equality and this general understanding of what it's like to 
I, we, we joked when I first started where we had our huge conference room and I would be like the great Oz just hovering over it because I was the only tile and it took up the huge 80 inch screen. So I'm like, okay, hey guys. Yeah, that's me. It was awkward and I got over it quickly, but there, there is that. For people who are going to stay remote for whatever reason, and for me it was my husband's work took us out of state, right? And now the kids are on a hybrid role at school. And so we're being adaptable to what's going on in our personal life. But for me, I love so much more productivity. Oh my goodness. I've been able to take on so many more projects. I've been able to just up-level my skill set. There's been so much more time because I'm not commuting. Mm -hmm. And so I, I feel so much more productive being remote and my relationships have actually become very deep with the people that I'm, uh, I support because we have deep conversations and we go through things and it's just very, very structured. There's no more hair on fire last minute. I'm going to grab that person. And I like that. It it fits me. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Lauren, you get the final word. Yeah, so I moved out of the Bay Area last year to LA, and so and I fell in love with LA, and I don't want to move back to the Bay right now. (laughs) So I and I was able to work out 100% remote with um, my manager. There's obviously some things that like I will miss because like the local EAs do things, but our company because like we are a global company, like you know there's EAs everywhere, so there's people that don't. It's not like the core group in San Francisco is the only group and I feel so left out. But at the end of the day, for my personal health, like moving to LA was the best choice. Like I am so happy. It opened my eyes up in a professional and personal way that I wasn't getting in the Bay because I was so much in my like my job, my commute, my going like, you know, you were just in it, in it, in it, in it. So I think, again, knowing your team and like having those conversations with the team and like having those conversations with your manager to know what will work best for you. Because if you're happy with your situation, it's going to result like the results are going to be in your work because you're going to like yep. do a kick ass job at your, mm-hmm. at your role. So I like as much as I would love to be back in the Bay, it's like I'm happier in my new space and that equals higher quality of output in the work that I'm doing because I'm personally happy. So I think you have to, that's the first thing in my opinion is figuring out like what, like what, who is your team? What makes them tick and how do we support that? And from there you can decide what will work best for your, your organization. And I'll say for, for Maven's team, we, we did the pull the audience thing for sure. And, and we spoke with everyone um, in an anonymous fashion, but just kind of got a sense of, you know, where people saw themselves and, and created some allowance for people to have maybe had some shifts um, in their personal lives and personal priorities and, and created a space where that was tolerable and acceptable. Um, so I think where we're landing um, is we're looking at one day a week in office the rest of it remote. Um, And then this is the fun thing is trying to figure out some new and innovative ways of coming together that are not necessarily involving a downtown office space or a skyscraper or whatever, but maybe something altogether unexpected and different. And really, I um, I think we've all learned that there's different ways to, Kristen, you made the point of, you know, like, 
culture building was always kind of the grand, you know, the, the, the great, I forget what you said, but like the holy grail of what we all aspired yep. to do. And, and I think my takeaway from all this is that there's so many ways to build culture. Who says mm-hmm. culture happens in a, in a cubicle? You know what I mean? I, I think there's a good argument for culture happening in a lot more interesting, nuanced and um, innovative ways. So um, just a couple quick announcements. An Nguyen is the winner of the Amazon gift card. Uh, 25% was the answer, by the way. 25% of, of, of the workforce said that they would like, of the American workforce, said that they would like to go back to the office full time, which means the overwhelming majority of people don't see themselves in the office five days a week. Um, please, uh, in the chat, if you have any thoughts on what you'd like our lovely panelists, to speak to the next time we get together. Um, shoot us some ideas, uh, shoot us your thoughts. We welcome all of that. This is very much a community, which means we have to interact. So uh, let us know what you're thinking. Um, thank you all. I think this was a great kickoff to this series. I thank you all for being here and uh, sharing your thoughts, um, your perspectives. Um, thank you to our listeners who participated and um, and wrote in. And just as a reminder, you know, in addition to these learning and development opportunities and forums, um, Maven Recruiting Group, our, our core function is really in helping you land and identify your next great role. So if you are that person who's looking for a remote, non-remote, hybrid, what have you position, whether it's executive support, administrative support, chief of staff, personal support, um, reach out to us jobs at mavenrec.com. So thank you to this lovely group. I really appreciate it. You guys have a great day. Reach is brought to you by Maven Recruiting Group, who specializes in placing executive assistants and support staff to the Bay Area's most prominent executives and companies. If you've enjoyed being part of our podcast community and are interested in becoming part of our candidate community, we're currently hiring for roles in San Francisco, Silicon Valley, and Los Angeles. You can visit us at www.mavenrec.com to see some of the roles we're currently working on and to submit your resume.